there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Hey, Tom. It's great to be back here and uh, back in the studio with you. I know. Jeez. I'm getting kind of used to you not being around. <laughs> well, thanks. It's been about a month here and uh, nothing's changed. So, I mean, yes, it is. It's a little bit more dirty than it was before. <laughs> it's definitely some more dust. Oh, I know. I'll bet yeah, it was pretty good. You wouldn't let it slip. It's just like, you know, they get get back in the house. Why don't you hire a cleaning person to come in once a month? Tell cheapo I'm not. I mean, the decor is certainly charming. Yes. It's perfect. It's cozy. It's there. We call it cozy. Do you ever come up here to this room? Um, I guess I don't come up here. It's just when they do the show. I should point out that we are in the studio in luscious, leafy Greenwich, Connecticut, the True Grit Studios. Yes. One of, my, one of my bedrooms. I got a three-bedroom condo. Don't need the three-bedroom. Well, it came in handy. This is a guest room. And a, I may wake the other room into a uh, gym. Well, you might as well because you don't ever have guests over. What's the point of having an extra bedroom? No kid. That's, that's so nice to have people. Except when you're coming over. Is it really, though? Oh, yeah. I don't I go out to, to see people. I don't go have people come here. Right, but you do like people. I mean, you're out public speaking and doing your motivational stuff, and you definitely like people. I think that's, you know what I've learned? That you got to have boundaries, <clears throat> right? So your boundary is the front door. Yeah, and, you know, then I go out in public. They call me charming and charismatic, all those things. That's what people call me. I'm not saying a word of that. Yeah, I know, I know. And you actually think I am, but you're not going to say it. No, I absolutely do think you're charming and charismatic. I'll say it. Yeah, I can. I can turn it on. Absolutely. It's not even turn it on anymore. It's just that, you know, I, I do. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, until. It's time to go home. Right. You'll do these events at the Garden. You'll go there for the pregame and during the game. And then. Yeah, Jackie, with Jackie DiPiazza, the wonderful person she is. She runs all of my stuff. She knows now that she brings me to a game. I'll do the pregame stuff, give the stick to the fan of the game, go up to the suites. Yep. And then by the time second period is on your way. You're out. You're on the uh, Phil Rizzuto plan. And for those who don't know, Phil Rizzuto, Hall of Famer, was the Yankee announcer for many years. And by the sixth inning, he was on the bridge headed home to New Jersey. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And the thing is, it's like I'm having a great time when I'm there, but this is the way, as you know, there's a certain time. Like, yeah. So if people know that when Tom calls me, I, we set the timer. We don't ask you to set the timer. We're in, is it four or six? Four. Oh, okay, four minutes. So I'm the four minutes. The conversation's got to be wrapped up. Yeah, it's amazing because four minutes, like clockwork, Tom just starts to fade. Yeah, you can tell it. No, it's time to wrap it up a little bit. Oh, man. We were up in, uh, recently we were up in Roscoe, New York. It's Rock, Roscoe Mountain Club. We're going to do some uh, seminars and everything up there. And same thing, we had like about a two, I figured it was going to be a two-hour meeting. and went to like two and a half. And you're like, that's it. I'm done. I got to get out of here. And listen, I get it. You know, you get to a point in your life and you're like, you know what? I just, I don't need to be here anymore. I don't want to be here. And you just go. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, was I like that? I'm trying to think back, but it was like that all the time. My dad's like that. He just went on a cruise, and I, I asked him, I said, how was the cruise? And he just said, it was miserable. Uh, <laughs> there's, I'm seeing, you couldn't go anywhere. I know. That is the thing about cruises, right? I mean, a lot of them, they stop at certain islands, but then you're still like at a sit at the table with other people you don't know. Like, that's true. That's like bed and breakfast. You got to you gotta sit with other people and eat. You're forced to interact. But he liked it, though. He saw Africa and Spain. It's the, the city part was cool. But the crew is, you know, being trapped, not so much. Yeah, I think a lot of people just sit there and drink all the time, right? They'll sit by the pool. And the kids, there's activity for the kids. And the- Never been on one, have no plans to go on one. I'm pretty good with that. I went on one cruise house uh, before she was my wife, my second wife. We went on a cruise. It was actually very enjoyable. It was just a weekend cruise, though. Okay. Flew down to Miami, went to Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, and they came back. That was, yeah, it was all right. 
And one thing too, if your room, room's got to have a balcony, if you don't have a balcony, you're shot. Like we didn't have a balcony. It was just like. So you're basically just stuck in a hotel. Yeah. And with round windows. Other than you had like a, that was probably a bit of foreshadowing for that relationship, Tom. Well, it worked pretty good that weekend. And we, we spent a lot of time in the room. Oh, there's a joke there. Someone's being saucy. Uh, she's a wonderful person. She was. Still is. She's still wonderful. Right, that's your second wife. You guys are still friendly, right? Yeah, yeah, we still. Yeah, very. Yep. She, um, she went off and she wanted a child. I'd had my two children, so she went off and had a child on her own. Actually, he's about, he's probably like twelve or thirteen years old now. Look at this. We're in all sorts of territory in the show here today. Life, family. I know, right? What's it like and don't like? Where would you be your best vacation? All like, where would you want to go? The one place anywhere in the world is beautiful. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, probably somewhere I haven't been before. Maybe an island. I always wanted to go to Sicily. I love exploring. I love cities, traveling, learning about, you know, history and the history of places. In the States, I think my favorite city is uh, San Diego. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, it's a great city. Have you been there? Yes, I have. Yep. Great city. Yep, right in the water and they're beautiful there, yeah. I'm a big fan of Montreal. And I want to hit some islands, but, you know, I hate flying. I know. I'm, there's so much stuff to do here in North America. You really don't have to fly. The Grand Canyon, the Great Lakes, Rocky Mountains, all that. I think you've done this before too, Tom. I've driven across country before and I loved it. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah, we drove from, from college. We were at Northern Michigan University. We swept in Marquette. I know this one. So you got in the green truck. Yeah, the gear shifter was broken. Yeah, it's Don Waddell's truck. There you go. How many guys in the truck? Six. There you go. How many hours to get to Florida? Uh, twenty-five hours. Thirty-five hours. We had to, we had to stop at every one of those little uh, firecracker places. Oh, everybody had to take a leak. No, we wanted to get firecrackers. We're throwing them out the window. Oh yeah. I also know that Don Waddell was a stud offensive defenseman at University of. Uh, Northern Michigan. Yes, you and I were partners today. Yeah, he's a really good player. Yep, he uh, played in World Juniors. Before I knew what the World Juniors was, I remember he took off and played in World Juniors for the U.S. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. No, he was a really good offensive player, right? And then all-around good player. Who we got coming up here? Oh, we got a good one, Tom. We got somebody who everyone in New Jersey hockey knows or has a connection to. We have Jimmy Dowd, Jersey legend, Stanley Cup champion with the Devils, had a really long career, and just a good Jersey guy. I was going to say, I finally get to meet him because I've heard about him so much. And he said, uh, before I understand, he's doing some amazing stuff for kids too. Yeah. Everyone in Jersey who has either played or coached or refed, they have some connection or they've come across Jim Dowd. Like he's connected to everybody in Jersey hockey somehow. Jimmy Dowd, Jersey boy. All right, these guys. All right, everybody. Tom, this is one of my favorite shows because we have Jersey Hockey Royalty on the show today. Oh, that's right. Yes. We got a New Jersey high school state champion. I, uh, I think Jim even won at Lake Superior State, right? Oh, yeah. And, yep. And everybody in New Jersey hockey knows this guy or is connected to him somehow. We have Stanley Cup champion Jim Dowd on the show today. I was going to say, everybody knows Jim Dowd. Every time I go someplace, somebody's talking about Jim Dowd. How do you do? We haven't ever talked before. This is our first uh, meeting. No, nice to meet you guys and glad to be on the show. Happy to be here. Happy New Year, by the way. That's uh, same to you, same to you. So I went to Northern Michigan. I don't know if you realize that a long time ago. Back, we're, we're we're <laughs> that's right. Yes. How did you, how did you get the Lake Superior State from? Uh, from New oh, you got you kidding me? So back in the day, I'm I just turned fifty five actually Christmas Day. So back in the day, if you were from Minnesota, Massachusetts, Chicago, or Michigan, nobody took a chance on you in hockey. They didn't even look. And I'm a firm believer one person could change your life forever. And that was, well, two guys. But Frank Anzalone and Jeff Jackson took a chance on me at Lake State. Huh? You know, I'd broken all the records when I was a sophomore in high school in Jersey. No, but nobody cared about that. And I was the best in New Jersey. But then I played in a tournament called Hockey Night in Boston. My junior year, yep, sure. my senior year. And it was when it was the original Hockey Night in Boston, you know, the month of August. And I finished top 10 scoring with Roenick, Amante, McEachran, Hines, all those guys. Still nobody took a chance on me. Right. And Lake State, so great story. So Lake State, I don't know anything about visits and all that. I go out to visit, got stuck in a snowstorm in Detroit for like six hours. Lake, I get up there and I found out we got free sticks. I'm today, hey, I'm coming here. <laughs> Frankie, hey, what top Jeff? I love those. That's towns. cool. Yeah, I know Jeff. I don't know Frank that well, but I know Jeff. Yeah. So, uh, what town did you grow up in in Jersey? I grew up, born and raised in Brick, New Jersey. Yep, about an hour south of Manhattan, and I just played for Brick Hockey Club, Brick High School growing up, and, you know, that's it. He's a rink rat. Played hockey and baseball through high school, you know. Yeah, that, that Followed, was, you know, I was a Ranger. I was a Ranger fan until 82, and then oh, that was terrible. moving to Jersey in 83. I was 13 years old. I'm like, all right, we don't have baseball, football, baseball. I guess I'll root for the Devils. <laughs> uh, that's cool. 
Very good. Rick, now, now, Brick beat Del Barton, and Del Barton is like a powerhouse. And Brick's a small school. Da- and Jim will tell you, it's down the shore. It's not down at the shore. Down, it's down the shore. Right. And they yep. beat the Del Barton on the state championship, which was huge. Oh. So uh, I'm, I don't, so I'm not good about talking about myself. I'm the only New Jersey native to win a state championship in high school, national championship in the Stanley Cup. You know? Wow. Very cool. Very cool. That's three more than you got, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what was your coach there at, well, at the time? Rick Conley. Rick Conley, yep, he was at Lake State before. He, 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 yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. He was telling the story when he was, um, he was still there coaching at Lake State, but they didn't want him recruiting, so they did something to him that made practices like I don't know, like every Monday. It was I don't know what the deal was, but anyways, he had to go recruit, like stay up late at night, travel at night to get back to coach at Lake State while he was still recruiting for Northern Michigan the next season. So going from Breck, New Jersey to Lake Superior State, so Sioux Saint Marie, right? That's oh, yeah. a, little, a little bit different world up there, right? Oh, totally different. I mean, I remember coming home. I was there for seven, my first week, not even there seven days. I'm coming back to the freshman dorms. There's a deer hanging out the second floor. I don't mind. What's going on here, man? We went up to see what's up. I learned all about deer hunting, and they were letting the blood run down, and uh, we became buddies with these guys. If you could kill it and eat it, they had it in their freezer, man. Rabbit, whatever you could kill and eat, they have. We have good friends with those guys. So uh, What a difference. we come out in the bars late, and they'd be cooking up stuff for us. Honestly, drinking beer and playing hockey. That's oh yeah, that was it. That was it. Maybe the odd girl there too. There might be some women there, right? Yeah, the odd girl. So, <laughs> yeah, Jim was the number one center on that team, playing ahead of uh, someone named Doug Waite. Wow. Well, I'll tell you a story about that. So here's the deal. So Lake State, I went there at the perfect time. So my f- senior year of high school, they got upset in the first round. They were supposed to go far. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. Well, I came in. You know, they had never had a blue chip recruit there before. And then we won the national championship my freshman year with nine freshmen in the lineup. And then we had another great year my sophomore year. And then Doug Waite was the first blue chip recruit we ever got. Normally, kids like that would go to Michigan State or Michigan. Sure. You know what I mean? But we were just coming on the rise. We were dominant. And uh, my junior and senior year, I played with him. And he was great. He was very instrumental in helping me, obviously, have a great junior and senior year. But he came in as a freshman. He could have went anywhere in the country. But his dad and him wanted to go there because of the way we trained. And they were starting to pump out some guys to the NHL. And Coach made you go to school, all that kind of good stuff. Now, uh, so were you drafted by the Devils? Yeah, so I was drafted my senior year of high school. Another funny story. Uh, Max McNabb was the GM at the time. So I get a, you know, I get a full ride to Lake State. I commit, sign my NL, whatever it's called, your national letter of intent. And then the June draft rolling around, and Anz, Coach Anzalone calls me, Jim, you're probably going to get drafted tonight. Like, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. Back then, there was 12 rounds. So I said to myself, I didn't tell anybody this. I said, you know what? If I get drafted, the only team I didn't want to get drafted by was the Devils because I thought it wouldn't be a charity pick, right? Right, right? But Marshall Johnson, I'll never forget, he called me about 5.30. Marshall Johnson, their head sure. of player, Jimmy, Marshall Johnson here, we just drafted you in the eighth round. So right off the bat, you know, I always switch everything to a positive. There's a silver lining and everything. I was thinking to myself, oh, great. At least it wasn't the 12th round, so it's sort of not a charity pick. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's got and then, so you finished off your junior and senior years at, uh, at Lake State, and then you went to the Devils right away? Yeah, yeah. They tried to get me to sign after my junior year, but it took me like two seconds. I loved school. I wanted to go back oh. and graduate. I wanted to try to win another championship. And, uh, you know, I went back. We had a great year. My senior year, we went 28 straight games without a loss. Oh. 28 straight. And then we got upset in the quarters, whatever it happened. I graduated. had a great year. I ended up signing for more money anyway. It still started in the minors. Oh, but definitely. still, I ended up playing, you know, 17 years. So. Oh, you had 17 years. That's great. That's yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I tell kids nowadays, like, well, I have two boys that are playing college hockey. Unless you're going right to the NHL, like, don't leave college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, even, like, maturing more now mentally and physically, just being more yeah. ready to play. I'm the same way. I went the full four years. They didn't offer me a contract to get out early. I just went after my senior year. We had, my senior year was kind of like yours. We won, like, 22 games in a row. No, no. Yeah, we were run, ranked number one in the country. So it was great timing for me. Then I'll go through all that now. And obviously more notoriety because you're, you're yep. playing as well. But uh, yeah. And I look back, like again, mentally more than anything, I think like, I was much more ready that extra two years to stay in school. Yeah. No question. So what did you have as an agent? Steve Bartlett? Yeah. Yeah. Bartlett. Is Everybody it? out of Lake State had Steve Bartlett. Yeah. 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 Good guy. Him and I became good friends when I was in the agent business. He's a real classy guy. That's what? my choice. Yeah. He's been, oh, yeah. I just he's talked to him the other day. He's like 70-some years old. He's been doing Oh, I know. He's got his boys in the business now. Like, he's he's done well for himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy, too. Like, really classy yep. guy, right? Yep. Yep. Very good guy. Low-key, yeah. calm and positive all the time. 
So what are the teams you played for? How many years did you stay with the Devils? Oh, so like my first four and a half years or something like that, I played with the Devils, and I was with Vancouver, then the Islanders, then Calgary. Holy cow, who did I go after Calgary? Edmonton. Oh, Calgary, uh, Edmonton, Minnesota, Montreal, Chicago, Avalanche. Then the Devils brought me back for a year at 39, then I finished with the Flyers at 40. Wow, very cool. That's a good career, 17 years, 16, 17 years. Wow. And what year did you win the Cup then with the Devils? Yeah, 95, yep. 94, we lost to the Rangers, obviously. 95 won the cup and uh, had some success early on. And then, you know, the deal when you have success early on, sort of everybody, yeah. you can hang out for a while. If you yeah. can adjust your game, you can hang on for a while. <laughs> yeah, so you're a Jersey guy and you win the cup in Jersey and you have the cup in Jersey for your celebrations. How crazy was that? It was pretty cool. It was, it was, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it was, yeah, the first cup in Jersey. Being from New Jersey, it was pretty. You find out you have a lot of uh, new relatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And your day with the cup wound up at uh, Mammoth Racetrack, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, the day with the cup, I had it at my house. It got to my house at seven in the morning, and you get her literally for twenty four hours. I had some right. close friends and family over. That I took to a couple places in Brick, and then I got some relatives. You know, my cousin Bernie runs Mammoth Racetrack. He's been the vet there forever. You know, my, they have a horse uh, race named death, my uncle Bernie. So I've known the Mammoth racetrack pretty well. And they gave me a room from, you know, like noon to five. And I invited all my old coaches oh, it's nice. on the park to see it and had a big party there. And I let the public see it for two hours. And then I'll never forget. It was the night of the Tyson. Remember Mike Tyson's first fight out of prison against McNeely? That oh, yeah. had the cup. So then went down to my sister's bar. She had a bar for 19 years down at Point Pleasant, the Ark. She sold it, you know, you know, seven or eight. But we went down there. That was packed. Then we got back to my house at like nine o'clock when the you know real party started, and it literally went from like nine o'clock to six forty-five in the morning. And then when they took the cup, it was like somebody pulled the plug and the lights went out. So there's a Pritchard, Phil Pritchard, that came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been there forever. He must see some really funny sights. Like he comes at six forty-five in the morning. Everybody's been up all night drinking a party. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's too funny, but uh, that's a great. It, it really is the best trophy in sports. Yeah. We had Dallas Drake on a show recently. He talked about when he won the co- uh, the trophy and went oh. back home for him. It was pretty emotional for him. He got a little teary-eyed uh, uh, at the event. I saw a video from there. Another college guy. There you go. Dallas Drake, Northern Michigan, White. Yeah. Northern Michigan is not really a college, though. It's a Harvard. Harvard of the, It's the Harvard of the Midwest. Don't listen to him. <laughs> it's like a great junior college. My, I've told this. I'll tell you the story. But my senior year, I was taking business classes. I was failing the class. So the last half of the semester, I had to drop that class and pick up four classes. So I took uh bowling uh racquetball phys ed and beginning skating we're the number one ranked team in the country and i'm captain i'm taking beginning skating so yeah it's most probably your hardest class yeah no, i mean what you saw me skate you're right you're right there yeah <laughs> definitely definitely what was your favorite place to play well you know what being from new jersey so besides new jersey i mean i played in all good hockey cities yeah, but i love yeah. i love playing in montreal you know what I mean? Uh, I had a great role there. And playing for the Canadians was great. I mean, Philly was awesome. You know, I hated the Flyers growing up. I'm, I'm sure. sort of in that spot in New Jersey where our south of Manhattan, you know, Jersey's an hour and 10 minutes the other way. So you hated the Flyers growing up. But play, they were a great organization. That was a right. great place to play hockey. And, you know, you know the deal. They love their hockey in Philly. Yeah, they do. You know? It's, it's a hard place. Like, it's, it's like Madison Square Garden. It's a hard place to play, though. I mean, like, you're playing oh. great. They're fantastic. But they get on you, too, if you're not playing well. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. I mean, it's more popular. It's the most popular sport when they're doing well. Yeah. You know? But, again, I played in Colorado. was awesome. Edmonton was great. You know, Vancouver, that was my first trade. So, it was just, uh, you know, I wasn't really mentally ready for that. But I played in all great places. But Montreal, I love playing for the Canadians. Right. Now, were you married the whole time you were playing? Uh, not the beginning. I got married at 28 years old. Okay. Yep. She's a Jersey so, girl or? Yep. Jersey. I know my wife since eighth grade, been married for 27 years. We got two boys. Uh, well, my oldest son, Jimmy Jr., he's a defenseman at Penn State. He's a senior. Uh, then my youngest son, Anthony, he's a freshman at ASU defenseman. Uh, I got two defensemen, man. I got two digs. Go. Smart kids, smart kids. There you go. So there's something wrong with you, though. I got to bring up this, okay? You're one of the few uh, hockey players that stayed married. Most guys, like the divorce rate must be like 95% for hockey players. That's what you yeah. He must have a good girl, especially traveling around, right? She's a Jersey girl. You want to? Oh, yeah. I'll agree now. Yeah. I'm going up to everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm over two. Yeah. No question. <laughs> I just, I lock myself in my house now. I don't go out anywhere. <laughs> it's not safe. I need supervision. Yeah. It's the only way to do it, right? Yeah. 
Jim, how was your relationship with Lou Lamarillo? Yeah, Lou's great. I mean, Lou, Lou was, he took care of me. You know, he brought me back when I was 39 years old, you know, um, and he was great. He, you know, I can call him up any day. I like, if I call him up and wanted a job, he'd give me a job. You know, Lou's great. You know, he's a, he's a loyal guy, right? He's a total, 100% loyal guy. There's so much stuff that he's done for players and families that people don't know about. You know what I mean? He just has that persona, like, you can't approach him. He's a human being. You can approach him. He's great. You know what I mean? You know, it, you do right by him, he'll do right by you. Yeah. You know I mean? That is the thing, right? If you're one of his boys, like, it's like family. And, oh, if you're not, if you're, and if you're not one of his boys, too, he's not mean to you. It's just you're not part of the family. Then. Yeah. Exactly. As simple as that. Just come in, do what he can do. And, but he's, he's, he's taking care of a lot of families, not just guys. We've had some devils on the show, Randy Velichek, Grant Marshall, and they, they love Lou. Yeah. So Rick Conley went down and coached, Mike coach went down and coached at Michigan State, and then he came back and now is the athletic director at Northern Michigan. And I went back recently and did a presentation there. There were student athletes. And I saw him, and I, I, I was just totally embarrassed. I said, I apologize for all the stuff I've done. I just can't believe I look back at some stuff. Because we went up there. My first year was the first year they had the hockey program. So we just we just did whatever, you know, all the young kids from Canada, Minnesota, all over the place. And here. So had you went up there, where'd you? what were your other options? Because back None. In the day. None. Zero. I, 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 Brown University came and recruited me, and they recruited me pretty hard. Yeah, but I sent him my uh, transcript and my grades. And they, I'll never forget the coach called me up. Really nice guy. I can't remember his name. He goes, Tom, we'd love to have you in the team, but there's not much we can do with those grades. <laughs> I was that typical Canadian farm boy. Just all I was going to do was play hockey. Yeah. That was it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Northern Michigan's a place to be for that, man. It was great. Yeah. I, loved, I loved every second up there, man. That's yeah. why I love going back for you. Yeah, same here. Isn't that true? Like, you go up there first, you're going away from home and. I don't know what you're getting. Yourself. Everybody's always saying this is going to be the best four years of your life, and it really turned out to be that. It was oh, 100. Yeah. percent yeah, it's a different, yeah, different world. Did you guys eat those pot? Was it pasties? The 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 thing that they used to put or the miners used to put on the uh, shovels. It's just like a dough, and they put all kinds of stuff inside of it. They would just carry it inside, and they'd heat it up by the fire on the shovel. So that's yeah. pasties, pasties, different world. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a totally different world. Yeah, beautiful up there. But how about like you go up there during the summer too, and you think you're in the Bahamas or something? Like the beaches are perfect, perfect. Uh, but the only problem is there's still ice out in Lake Superior because it's so cold. Cool. So, so unlike you, Tom, Jim gets on the ice quite a bit. He's uh, working with young athletes, and he's on a minus six in the alumni games like you. Oh, really? What are you doing? No, well, you know, uh, this is my first year not coaching, but I've had a new. I'm heavily involved in nutrition. I've had a nutrition company for nine and a half years, and then uh, I still do some clinics and camps every now and then. But I, I, I got into performance mindset coaching a while ago. So my two main things are my nutrition. Uh, company and I do performance mindset coaching for youth athletes. I love it. You know, oh, actually, Hartman's the one that got me into that. He was all over me. He's been doing it for like twenty plus years, twenty years almost. Yeah, and it, you know, about nine or ten years ago, he was talking to me about it, and then got certified. I'm a certified actuality practitioner, which is the study of values, and huh. uh, you know, have this whole program for like I said, I'm working with twelve to twenty year old athletes. I got a couple colleges want me to do some things, you know, protein, but I'm like, you know what, I don't. My whole thing is I went through it myself. I went through the ups and downs with my boys, and I just love helping the 12, 20-year-old athletes, mainly hockey players, but I do, you know, I got a lacrosse player, a basketball player. It's crazy now that youth sports is such a big business, and everybody's stressed out, and I truly believe most people are in it for the wrong reasons. I mean, yeah. you know, you yeah. should be in sports, you know, just play because you love it, not because you want to get a scholarship. Right. You know I mean? Don't you think too, hockey in particular, you're really building people too as you're making them better players and yeah. become better people. Uh, it's yeah. a performance mindset coach leading their athletes in their life and sport. Just check out jimdowd.com. Jimdowd.com. That's my, you know, performance mindset coaching site. So with the kids then, what do you, like, I mean, so you go sit with them and do on ice stuff or is it like all? No, well, no, no, no. This is like, it was a whole program. Like the, it's uh, actually, there's these, these uh, assessments. One's a hockey index assessment. There's more baseball. There's more ready to play. They have these assessments, you know, actually say me owned a company. And we got, you know, three openings for employees. There's 20 people, you know, applying. We can give them this assessment to see where their mindset's at. You know what I mean? Gotcha. You know, and that's where it all starts with these assessments. You know, very detailed. It's, you know, it's, uh, people love it. That's where it starts. And I have two programs, a big 10 package, 10 coaching sessions at a concierge, which is like 12 months. And, you know, I got a whole program. They get a binder and everything with worksheets. And I do it with them. I don't do group stuff. It's one-on-ones. I love that. Right. You know? Excellent. So people get a hold of you, you got a website, Jim Dodd. Yeah, jimdodd.com. Yeah, oh, that's very cool. See, I, I totally know that stuff now. I uh, was doing a show with a uh, hypno hypnosis, uh, she, licensed okay. hypnosis. Very cool. She taught me a lot of stuff about the subconscious mind, which are the stuff that you all know. Um, 
and how you can really affect kids when they're young too, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Jim made a great point, and I've been coaching mice for the last two years now, and I see it firsthand. I'm fortunate enough we have a great group of parents with our team, but some of these parents are just nuts, man. They're crazy. I don't know what. Hey, wait, wait, what are you coaching? I coach the Saints out of Sportorama. I coach with uh, Andy Lane and Brian Strack, two good guys. Sportorama, baby. Sportorama and the Ocean Ice Palace of Brick, two rinks that haven't changed since 1960. Oh, I know. You're up there with Randy Velichek. That's right. Randy's a good friend. He's uh, He's been on the show a couple times. He's, uh, he's a good man, Randy. Good friend. Another thing we were talking about earlier, Tom and I, is that Fritz Dietl just closed down, and that is like an institution in northern Jersey. Whoa, it's okay. You been in that, Rick? Fritz Dietl? That's the one. Where is that? That's up in Westwood, right? That's in Westwood. The, the most unique rink I've ever seen in my life, yeah. What happened? Why did it close down? Obviously money. Yeah, one of the owners died, and then the, the brother wanted to sell. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what's the, what's the, I'm really interested in the stuff you're doing. So what's the biggest thing you think you teach these kids then? Well, you know what? It's just, it's all about a mindset, right? You know, before everything starts with your mindset. It's just getting their mindset right. And then like each session, you know, the first session I have a mind map, you know, and there's mental toughness piece to it. Then there's the physical, then there's the nutrition and, you know, like they don't fill it out on their own. I don't fill it out for them. We do this together. We walk through there. I give them tangible tools that they can just look at once or twice a day. And my biggest thing is, you know, what you watch, read, and listen to first thing in the morning to set the tone of your day. Right. Right. You know, you need it. everything's between the ears. You know, when you unclog yeah. and and can stay focused. Focus is a big thing I work on. You know, where our focus goes, our energy will flow. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and it's it's. About yeah, you, re- you really are what you tell yourself you are. Like, I don't think I realized that I didn't. Those, yeah. All those sayings are so true. Positive self-talk, all that stuff. Yeah. I really believe in that now. Like, you, especially work with young kids. Like, when they say things that are negative about themselves, they don't realize that's what they're really, now you're telling yourself that's negative. You know, the broke mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. I can, I will, I'm going to. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't. I don't think so. I don't know if right. I can't. You know. The other one is that I like when they say, "Well, I'll try." Well, you're giving yourself an out when you're saying you need to try. Exactly. I'm going. I'm going. No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. That's cool. It's, it's and surround yourself with good people. I'm, and I talk it's about sports. It's about I want to get to know their family, their friends, if they got a girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of the biggest things, and I went through this with my oldest son. He's now sort of doing good, but uh, in hockey, especially these kids, just they they they're just hockey players. You got to have friends outside of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they get on these travel teams and then they're away from their kids from their hometown. You got to make sure you have a friends group that has nothing to do with it. my youngest son comes home. He's got friends that those get, they could care less if he's play, Anthony Dow playing at ASU, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's another big thing I focus on. It happens having friends outside of hockey. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I think when we played, you know, when we played, we just immersed ourselves in the game, but that wasn't healthy for us. Like it certainly wasn't healthy for us after the game either because now we retire at, you know, 32, 35 years old. A hockey player. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Well, you got to reinvent yourself. You know what I mean? Kretzky's always said it. He said, play as many sports as possible. Don't just focus on hockey. Play everything. Be an athlete. Well, to go to your point, uh, Jim, some people are in for the wrong reason. Not necessarily bad people, but that's how they get paid coaching, right? So now they want to coach 12 months out of the year because they get paid more money, obviously. But that's really not the best thing for the kid. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we played lacrosse. What'd you play? Play other sports? Oh, yeah. Played everything. Going. I'm on, so I'm one of seven kids, five boys, two girls. I'm the second youngest. We played everything. I played uh, my freshman year of high school, played soccer, hockey, and baseball. And then all through like sophomore, junior, she played hockey and baseball. But I played, you know, pop one football one year. I mean, it did it all. You know what I mean? And so you're that good, you're that good little athlete that could do everything, right? I was, you know, pretty good. Yeah. You know, played a lot of tennis up at Lake State in the offseason. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I was the opposite. I couldn't do anything. I think I'm a terrible guy. Well, I was a, a, a lot of tennis player, but we used to play, my roommate and I, Tim Breslin, we used to play indoors because it was still too cold out. But yeah. whoever lost bought the beer that night. Like <laughs> <laughs> cool. everything, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, we, I played, but I just wasn't that great at that. I played lacrosse and I was decent at lacrosse, but yeah. there's always something that I could do it hard. Like that was the thing people like, if I golf, I try to do it hard. <laughs> he hits it right in the woods as hard as he can. <laughs> but I know Jim grew up on McKay Drive in a big, big sports house with all his brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In full disclosure, I'm getting fed a lot of info by our mutual friend, Woody DePinto. Oh, my man, Woody. Oh, I got a great story. So, so yeah, this, this so this guy's been wanting to write a book about my life because he sort of knows how we grew up, one of seven kids, all in brick. So we ended, we actually lived in 12 different houses so you can figure out what was going on. All in brick, though. We stayed in brick because it was a great sports town. Well, one house, McKay Drive, is a two-bedroom house and seven of us living it at the time. Oh, uh, wow. Well. My Uncle Mike, one of their buddies that grew, who they grew up with who was divorced. My brother Brennan, myself, and Woody, who he's giving us information. <laughs> and then my one. Yeah, we were playing basketball, two-on-two basketball. I played so much two-on-two basketball, and I'm not a basketball player. You know what I mean? And then you play with a real basketball player, it's a whole different ball game. But going back to it, and we played every sport. You know what I mean? Just get out there and play. Yeah, have fun, right? Have the passion for it, too. And I'm assuming your family's so big, your father wasn't able to like push you and make you this star athlete. You had to do it yourself, right? Yeah, he was just – and my dad, he, he's – He's passed away, but he's the youngest of 11, 10 boys, one girl, and they were all amazing athletes. My dad was a pro boxer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a great athlete, uh, you know, but it's one of those just, and and one of my, part of my programs is is drive. You got to have that drive. It can't come from your mom, from your dad, from yeah. grandpa, Uncle Joe, from your coaches. If you don't want this, I can't help you. Oh, you're speaking Tom's language right now. <laughs> hey, it's got to come from you and nobody else. And you'll, yeah. you could figure it out. I can guide you and help you and try to come your mind in the right direction. But I mean, it's cool. two way street here. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had Jim Kite on a show, um, Marion playing Winnipeg. Uh, first of all, I didn't realize he was totally deaf. I, I knew he had a hearing problem. Uh, we had to put my mic down because he was uh, lip reading uh, around the show. And he said, his mother uh, guided him. He talked, it was a really fantastic story how she was not going to let her, I think all his brothers were, were deaf as well, right? Yeah. And wow. the mother said, no, you're not going to be handicapped. You're going to live a normal life. This is not going to slow you down. So he just, he's like, we played in the NHL for what? No. 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he, he was really good talking about the parents too. He said, he called them snowplow parents. They want to clear out all the problems for the kids so that the kids don't have any problems, which you're not going to learn anything from that, right? You can't fight yeah. through. Jim, what do you do when you have a kid who's just not into it anymore? And he's clearly there just because the parents are pushing him to be there. What do you do about that? Oh, what the, I, I, if my, if the kids, the kids that I'm working with, if they're not into it, I'll tell the parents right off the bat. The kids that into it, you know, it's, it's not, it's just, you know, Hey, let me know when your kid wants to be into it. You just got to let them right. know. You got to be honest with people. The kid's not into it. Like, you know, and then <laughs> like, going back to coaching, this is my first year not coaching youth hockey. I coach both my boys grown. I had kids a little bit later. So I went like from, you know, well, uh, being done in the NHL to coaching my boys all the way up. And it's one of those, you see the kids that, you know, want to be there and the kids that are forced to be there. And it's, it's, it's yeah. a conversation to have, but I've literally told parents, you know, one guy's a good buddy of mine, like, Hey, listen, do yourself a favor and your son a favor. Drop him off at the rink. If you need yeah. this game, add time, but go somewhere for an hour. Yeah. Just on the work hard and then come back an hour, pick him up and then drive home. And on the way home from the, in, in the car, just ask him if he had fun. That's it. Don't say anything yeah. else. Isn't that and true? The, yeah. That's five days, but he can, I go, I'm telling your kid's going to resent you by the time he's 14, yeah. 15, 16 years old. Right. And then the dad that gets so involved, he's sitting in the car on the way home and talking about the coaches and the other players on the team and everything. Yeah. And work. Yeah. So. yeah. Let the coaches coach. That's why they're there. I know. Coach White was all the way up and not one time, the whole time that I ever talked to him about hockey on the way or baseball or of course, whatever they were doing on the way, 
yeah. to the rink or the ball field on the way home unless they did something stupid or if they asked me something. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I was the same thing with my kids. My, my oldest one was a goalie. And uh, I just made sure I coached all the time. I just want to make sure he got even shot. So one goalie played one yeah. game, the next goalie played the next. I had to pull him out of the net one time. He got smoked uh, by a bunch of kids he knew too. Like they had like nine goals. I'm thinking, oh God, this is going to be terrible after the game. He care less. He just wanted to go for donuts. And I was really happy. <laughs> that, yeah. I was happy that that's the environment he was in. He wasn't, I'm gonna, yeah. wasn't going to talk to him about it. it was, you, know, you know, it's funny. I got, I tell people this all the time. I go, it's like in the NHL, man. Like, you know, the kids are younger. They're white, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years. They just want to go, they call it a play date, whatever. They want to have a play date with their friends. They don't care if they will end up, whatever. The parents are the ones that care, right? With oh, the NHL, guys lose 5-1 in the NHL. They just want to go out and have a play date with their buddies. It's just with some beer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, then, and same thing if you win a game, too. You don't dwell on the win. You exactly. don't dwell on the loss. It's so want to go out and hang out with your buddies. Isn't that, wasn't that the fun thing about the hockey? It was like, uh, you, you couldn't walk around smiling after a loss, but you, it wasn't no. going to end the world for you. So you just no. thought it was there. You know what I mean? I was, uh, so I was that guy that uh, everybody, because I was the assistant captain, like was I was in LA, the owner of our team, Bruce McDonald, great guy. So everybody wanted to go for beers. So he would hand me like $2,000 in cash. Tommy, take the guys out for beers. So that's, you know, you're right there, Wayne Gretzky, Larry Robinson, all these guys. So well, it's Tom, Jim's also played with a lot of great players. Though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Scotty Stevens. I mean, you were with Scotty in, in Jersey, right? We were Scotty. Oh yeah. Very serious, man. Great guy. And it's about, yeah. man, man, I, I, I had some great teams in Jersey, man. Yeah. The practices were a nightmare with the defense we had there. Scott Stevens, Scott Niedemeyer, Bruce Driver, who I think is one of the most underrated players yeah. of his whole time. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Danilo, yeah. Sean Chambers, and our so-called, you know, least talented defense was Tommy Abilene, our sixth defenseman. I mean, one on one practice for like just dump the puck in and go to the back yeah. of the line. Yeah. And after all that, you got to score on Brodeur. Yeah, right. Brodeur, and then you had Terreri. You know, we had we had some great teams there. Marty Perdier could be one of the nicest guys I ever met in hockey, too. He's just this fantastic. Nothing bothers him. You know, he's this great goaltender. Yeah. Like, we had, like, Lenny Hamlin is a great friend of mine, but you couldn't talk to him David game. He just was so uptight. That was it. He, oh, Marty. Marty is great, yeah. man. Yeah. He's Marty. Acid. Uh, that's true. True. You, uh, you also, you played with Marion Gabrick in Minnesota, right? How good was Yeah, that? and Gabby for four years. Yup. That kid was a stud right from the second he stepped on the ice. Yeah. So, who, who's the best player you ever played with? Best player I ever played with, Joe Sackick. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Joe Sackick right up there. I mean, you know, Scott Niedermeyer, Scott Stevens in a different way. Marty's the best goalie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Alexander McGillney. Oh, yeah. You know, he was unbelievable. You know, but yeah, Joe Sackick and Rob yeah. Blake. Oh, Rob Blake was good. Wasn't that big ass of his come flying across yeah. the ring? Well, oh, man, he hit people. He drew his Here, Two years at Bowling Green and because we went the same – well, I went four years in Lake State, but my freshman sophomore, he was a freshman and sophomore. He was unbelievable. Yeah. He went right from Bowling Green to pass a one-timers at Gretzky. Oh, I know, yeah. I was still, I was just retiring when he came in. Good guy, too. Another good guy. Big guy, big lap shot and everything, yeah. And he took your job, man. He took your spot away. Well, he took a few guys' spots in mine, too. <laughs> Jim, did you get in many scraps while you were playing? Uh, nah, I started a lot of them, man. Why, 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 were I you a I fought guys like, well, you know, Tim Taylor. I fight guys like that. We'd hit each other. It'd be great. It'd be a great fight. Nobody hurt each other. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but Juan Gilmore was my best one. Though. So I'm playing with the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm like, you know, I was a role player. You know, it was me, George LaRock, and Boyd Debro. We had a great role. We were the fourth line. We got a ton of ice time. It was with Kevin Lowe, was the head coach, the Cavalier assistant. Killed all the penalties, took face offs. We had a great line. You know, I'm like, I got to finish all my checks. So I'm back checking on Michael Nylander. It's in Chicago. He dumps the puck in and I finish my check on him. I don't, you know, because yeah. I have to at this point in my career, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then Dougie comes up, you know, we get, a, you know, two minutes, you know, like, F you, you know, he already had a goal and an assist. So I know what he was trying to do. We get two minutes each. We come out of the box. We fight. It was one of my, it was a great fight. He was a tough kid too. He was small, but he was tough. Oh, it was great, man. I fought yeah. Doug Gilmore. Like that's a claim to fame, man. He's one of my favorite players too of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny when he first turned pro, that thing we watch guys play all the time? For me, it was uh, where we lived. We could watch the Buffalo Sabres play all the time. So Gilbert Perot was fantastic. Big bow-legged guy. He's always beating guys one-on-one. Oh, First yeah. time I played against him, I just backed up all the way to the goaltender. I said, he's not going to beat me one-on-one. He's... Uh, Did he? No, because I literally, I backed up all the way to the goaltender. I was not like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the weirdest feeling, too, because, you know, I was a defensive defenseman. I could, later on, I could stop him fine, but it's just that thought in your head. That, watch this guy play a team meal. Did he yell at you to get out of his crease? Nah, uh, well, they were, yeah, that was really, well, that was after I scored on JD. My first game in the National Hockey League, playing up in Boston, and John Davidson's in that, you know, we're in Boston. It's your first game. Right? You dreamed all your life getting in the NHL. 
So I was so nervous. I went to shoot around the back of my net. I hit JD in the leg and shot right in my own net in my first game. <laughs> oh, Steve Smith, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember your first goal? Yeah, it was against the, in the, my first game. So my first year I played in Utica, got one game up. My second league scored down there. My second year, got one game up. And first game of my first year was against Boston. Then my second year, I got one game up against her. Then my third year is when Lamar came in, and he loved me. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that really got my NHL career going. So I get called up, and it's in Quebec. Uh, I, you remember the Mike Peluso Tony Twist game where they fought, and you know, Mike yeah, Peluso, that was my first NHL goal. It was a great play. It was a cycle. Billy Garrett passed it out in front. I came down the slot and ripped the top shelf over uh, Jocelyn Tebow. Wow, so, very good. Yeah, well, Billy Billy Garen, that's a great player there too. Billy Garen. Hey, he's meet Billy Garen and Zella Pruken. I love that. Did you get the puck? And do you still have it? Oh yes, I mean it's in my basement, right? You don't forget that. It's one of those things you don't forget. I know. Barry Beck and Phil Esposito assisted on my first goal. I was at the, I was in front of the power play. Pretty sure I had me in front of the power play. But the full story he's not telling you is that it hit him in the ass and went in. Yeah. Could have, you know what? To be honest with you, it could have hit me in the ass. I don't know. <laughs> they think it's like there's this moment so those first thing, you know, the first game, first shit. First oh, yeah. Game. Jim, and this is something Tom doesn't really know about. How is it winning the cup? I mean, that's got to just be like the most incredible feeling. It's got to be a, a mind blower, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just surreal. You know what I mean? You just It's one of those things that just happens. I mean, especially after going through my, my rookie year there, well, my official rookie year, 94, losing to the Rangers in the conference finals. You know, in that series, it was game six that, you know, man, we had them in game six. Yeah. And then, you know, tough third period there. And then... uh to lose the way we did, but then the next year to come back and we didn't have a good regular season. You know, we finished sixth in the, in the, in the Eastern conference, but we just were healthy and we rolled right through the playoffs. Everything went well. You know what I mean? We were, I think 16 and four was four oh, games that, that year. Wow. And then yes, one up in New Jersey was, was, was pretty unbelievable. You know what I mean, coming from where I came from, you know, especially back in the day when there was nobody coming out of New Jersey. Basically. Yeah. That's right, too. Wow. And winning the cup in New Jersey, you'd be the Jer Jersey guy. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Well, Jim, in 94, you're out there when Matteau scores that game winner in overtime, right? Yeah, I had my guy. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good one. Good one. I've become buddies with Matteau. He's a lot younger than I, but we do a lot of events together. Oh, he's great, man. Yeah. He's great. Yep. Yeah. I actually was doing a fun wipe. So I was coaching my youngest son's team, and we, we won Silver Sticks. So we were going out to Michigan like three months later. Try to cut costs down for people. I wanted to do some sort of an event. So I'm like, you know what? I, I want to do something different. So, so I, I, I never talked to him before in my life. So I got his number. I called him. Hey, Steph, Jimmy Down, you know, somebody get, you know, Ron Duguay gave me his number. No. no. Hey, Steph, you know, hey, I need some help. He goes, what do you need? And nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. I go this, and I'm trying to do a different fundraiser. I go, you know that picture you score in the goal? I've gotten more business out of that because I'm in the back of it, you know? Uh, uh. You know in the, and it's I'm right there covering Teak in it. I said, I got an idea. I want to do a fundraiser to help cut costs for my uh, parents. There's no problem. So we did a fundraiser at the rink. I got like tons of pictures printed up. He came. We both signed them, and it was awesome. Yeah, he's good. That he's way. a great guy. Yeah, really good guy, yeah. Funny, good sense of humor, too. Like that dry humor. You got to pay attention. Yep. Well, yeah. well, well. You know, we've, we've done over 80 shows now, and we've had some young guys. Well, we've had six guys that attempted suicide, former players. Um and uh, the, the good thing, not just them, but uh, there's a lot of guys, Mike Hartman, yourself, doing stuff for, for kids in particular from the mental health space, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah and you know what? That the big, one of the biggest, most rewarding things is you could help alleviate some of the stress off the parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, listen, I got two boys. My boys, you know, again, are playing at the highest level they can right now. Penn State, ASU, you know, it's like I'm still dad to them. You know what I mean? Hey, dad, how you doing? Can you, can you ramble me some money? You know what I mean? I'm not... Oh, yeah. I have a guy that they, they talk with, you know, and it's great, you know? So they don't talk to you about the mental health stuff? You don't? No, every once in a while, I don't, I don't bring it up to them. You know, if they want to talk, we talk and all that. Right. I and you ask them certain questions. Some, I only thing I ask really, hey, how's the guys going? What's the vibe on the team? How's it going? Right. We're having fun. You know, I don't get into the details of you know, all that unless they ask. But you yeah. said they've got a guy, so if they want to talk to somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's, the, so it's, yeah, that's straight news. Your father, like you can teach other people, but your kids... And somehow it's yeah, you know you're just dad yeah. you're still dad to them yeah. oh Venmo take <laughs> hey Jim what do you do when you have parents who are like too into it they're, they're too driven and they're really like hammering their kids every day practice you know do this do that do that how do you handle that oh yeah that's the thing I don't tell anybody what to do I recommend them I'm telling them I recommend them hey listen hey oh on the way to the rake or the ball field on the back just you know tell them to work hard and have fun yeah. and, and you know what though they're, they're not gonna listen parents don't listen 
No, for the most part, they, yeah. they, there's some that, that will, but most of them that are, are like that, they're probably not going to yeah. change. And it's a shame because at the end of the day, think about it. How fast does life go? Everything goes before you know it's over. And then they think they're owed something and then they're pissed yeah. off. And then their relationship with their son or yeah. daughter is hard. Well, I've come to realize that the parents love their kids. Like if you get them away from the hockey, they're usually fantastic people. But you get yeah. involved particularly in hockey, not just hockey, but hockey. Well, they, yeah, they turn into something totally different animal. Uh, and I've had a lot of parents come back to me years later after I coached, and I would say the same stuff you're saying to them. Let's just gotta leave them alone. It doesn't matter. This is a PWB team, you know, and it doesn't matter whether they win some championship or not. And they'll come back like 10, 15 years later and say, I'm sorry, you know, you're right. I just didn't, you know, like the son will probably quit playing at 15 years old. Yeah. And never, you know, never forgot, maybe played a beer league or whatever. And yeah, well, we really matter that much. And the thing now is this with hockey, listen, there's a place, there's division one, there's division three, this ACHA club hockey is exploding all over the place. There's the ACHA division one, two, there's a place for every kid to play college hockey, four more years, competitive hockey, get a great education, meet friends for life. And that's what it's about. Yeah. I tell everybody, you're going to play college hockey, it's just a matter of where and when, yeah. you know what I mean? And there's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters, you know what I mean? And your one son's at ASU, Arizona State University? Yeah, so Anthony's a freshman at ASU. Yep, and that's, they played that same rink where the uh, Coyotes play? Yeah, that's that's the college rink. It's unbelievable. Right. Wow, that's a great setting for a college rink, yeah. Oh, it's unreal, yeah. Yeah, he just texted me yesterday. He's like, Dad, can you get me three tickets to the Coyotes game? <laughs> yesterday. Can you imagine playing at ASU? I mean, playing out the yeah, desert there? He loves it. Wow, yeah. Loves it. Does he got himself a blonde girlfriend? Uh, No girlfriend yet. Okay, that's good. Let's keep it that way. There's a, there's a lot of blonde girlfriends out there. Oh, my God. I'm going to move. God, see, I'm single. I'm 65 and single. Hey, hey, he's getting soft on us, though, though. He does say, Ma, Dad, it's going to be cold tomorrow. It's going to be 78 degrees. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I'd love to live out in that part of the world. That's that's fantastic out there. That's yeah, we it, it's, it actually is pretty nice, man. The mornings are incredible. And yeah. the night, it's unbelievable. It's really got that healthy kind of feel to it too, like all the hiking oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you you got you got to look the part when you're out at a place like yeah. that. Comes out all the time. Yeah, I totally got the tan going. Yeah, for sure. Hey Jim, are you still playing at all? Are you a beer leaguer now? Are you uh, still get together and skate with the boys? No, you know what? No, I, I do. Like I said, I have a great deal with the uh, you know um, local rinks here, the Middletown Sports Complex, and the Ice Palace and Brick. You know, I do camps and clinics, whatever I want. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, like I'll do something like Martin Luther King Day. I'll put a group together. You know, and people are always over me about doing stuff. I, I don't do that much stuff anymore, but every once in a while, I put stuff together. Well, we have the most famous guy in hockey. Everybody knows Jim Dowd. Everybody. Hey, Jim, I got to ask you, where's the ring? You still wear it? Uh, at certain events, I wear it. There you go. I know when to bring it out, when not to. <laughs> yeah. You do a lot of stuff with the alumni, uh, Jersey alumni? Well, you talk about the Lake State ring, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I still do some alumni stuff for the Dell, like the events down at the shore here. Yeah. And all, you know, the Prudential Center, I'm an hour from where the Devils play. So the stuff down at the shore, they'll call me up. I'll, I'll do some events for them. You're doing good stuff, really. We haven't met before. The first time I met, really, I've heard a lot of really good stuff about you. So you are, you're doing it. You're getting it done. Yeah, same here. I get, we got to be, I got to go hit you up on Facebook now, man. We got to officially be friends here. What's up? That's right. We'll do you want to and all that stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got on probably six or seven years ago. My youngest son told me I need to get on brand myself. And I thought like, I'm like a cow and like stab him with a metal pole or something. Careful, Jim. He posts a lot. He posts like a teenage girl and he's up at 3 a.m. posting. Yeah. So I'm similar to you. I'm up every day at 3.30. I do. Uh, remember Jim Thompson, the player played in Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Played with the kids, didn't he? Yeah, so I, I was just retired when he was going. I, he asked me to, so I was I was always posting this motivational video like at 350, 355. He grew up in a rough area uh, in Edmonton, trailer park, and his trailer number yeah. was 353. So he asked me if I would uh, uh, do it at 353 every day on Instagram. So I do that for him. And it's turned out, I'm sure you're the same way you teach kids. The more you do good things for yourself or for other people, excuse me, the more th good things come back your way. So like yeah. that discipline guy, and I added the, the discipline level to my life. And people are like, you do it every day, Tom, 353. Yeah, we do. It's every day. It's just this one. Yeah. yeah, one of the big things is just work hard and be a good teammate, man. That's yeah. Especially a sport like hockey. I tell kids, forget about goals. Forget about it. Don't worry about goals. Don't worry about assists. Don't worry about how many saves you make. You just play hockey the right way. You'll get your goals. You'll get your assists. you make your saves. And a sport like hockey, yeah. as you get older, you, it's your grit thing. It's all about grit, hard work, yeah. and determination. There's, there's, it's, there's the one percenters of the kids. There's a couple of them that skate around everybody in score. Then you got everybody else. Yeah. And you can play hockey for a long time being everybody else. 
And don't you think too that you see all these parents that want to find the right place for the kid to play, you know, this perfect situation. I can't, like I went and played with my parents just dropped me off a rink like you talked about and said, you go do it. If you want to be an NHL hockey player, you go do it. And I realized I was never going to be the best player on any team I ever played on. But I just realized like an old farm boy like my father was and my grandfather, just show up every day and do your job. And that's how I, you know, yeah. that's how I made it all times. So, yeah. Good. Enjoy being on a team. And what are you doing to help the team win? That's yeah. Matters. Don't even think, yeah, isn't that the thing with parents? They want to get to this better program all the time. Well, won't you say to your son, no, you make the team that he's on a better team because you're a better player. Yeah. Like you'll love this one. So I, when I, I grew up in Brick, so I had back in the day, the New, the Rockets up north were the team with you know recruiting and all the money, and then the, there was only one little Flyers team, you know, down down south, right outside of Philly. And those two teams used to call my house, try to get me to go there all the time. I mean, and I, I didn't want, I didn't want to join them. I wanted to beat them. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. Yeah, no. cool. And so you're a good, you're you're a good lesson for kids. It's good, you're doing what you're doing. Again, freaking. You'll figure it out. If you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah, That's what totally. it comes down to. And then you think the coach, that coach at the next level, he wants to know, like in my case, I was, let's see, I was going to be like the second or third defenseman, but he knew he didn't have to worry about me. He could, you know, we're on the shelf there. Tom, Tom's going to do his job. So now I can worry about all these other guys. And I just kept getting picked for jeans all the time. Well, my son started playing two years ago and I told him to do three things. I said, you got to skate, you got to back check, and you got to pass the puck to your teammates. So you do those three things, you'll be fine. Don't worry about the three doodles and scoring goals and being fancy. Just do those three things and you'll be all right. Then he got six goals tonight, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's his birth year? Yeah, there you go. 2015. 2015, man. So he's a squirt, right? No, second year Mike. Second year Mike. Yeah, 15. Okay, second year Mike. Oh, so he's eight years old. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's so much fun, man. It's great being out there with him and his team, and they're they're all good kids, and he's got a great bunch, and it's just a lot of fun. Well, Jim, it's great to meet you. Thanks very much for coming on the show. You're doing so. You had a great career. You're doing fantastic things now with kids, so you should be very proud of yourself. Good job by you. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. Yeah, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. See you, bud. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, guys. So, Tom, there it is. You finally had your brush with Jersey Hockey Royalty. The legend. The legend of Jim Dowd. What a good guy, too. Like I said, I've heard about him so many times from different people all over North America. People in Vancouver know him and everything. Well, think about it. He stuck around for 17 years. Yeah. I didn't realize that, yeah. 10 teams. Yeah. You know, it's amazing, too. Like he talked about writing a book. I forgot to ask him again. But somebody was chasing Val trying to get him to write a book. He should. His life is pretty interesting. Yeah, he's a legit Jersey guy. You can hear the, the Jersey accent coming through. Way more Jersey accent than me. Yeah, you don't have a Jersey accent. I'll do. Oh, thanks, Tom. And take that, Steve Burns. Always telling me I have a thick Jersey accent. No, I don't think you do at all, yeah. Well, Jimmy Dowd has a Jersey accent. Yeah, definitely. I met a girl the other day, woman, woman, and she had the Jersey accent. I was like, some sort of woman have a Jersey accent? This is kind of, is it? No, oh boy, careful here, Tom. I, sh- I should be careful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A huge part of our listener base is from New Jersey, Tom. You know, I was going to say, I didn't finish my statement. Jersey women with the Jersey accent, beautiful. Like, I agree. I married one. And we have a lot of Jersey listeners here on this show. And there are a huge number of Ranger fans in New Jersey. Probably more Ranger fans than Devil fans in Jersey. They thought moved to New Jersey. Yeah, man. Come out by me. A lot of nice towns out here. We'll be neighbors. Yeah. You know what a lot of people think, too? You drive down the Guard State Park, where the, uh, whatever it is, 95. People, that's, everybody thinks that's New Jersey. You get away from that, that part. There's some beautiful places. Yeah, that's just the industrial corridor between New York and Philly. But there's gorgeous places in New Jersey. Beaches, mountains. Georgia's got everything, man. Great state. Great schools. There's lots of hockey. Taxes are insanely friggin' high. But it is, overall, it's a pretty cool state to live. And even though I want to move south, as I've told you a million times, it's still a pretty cool state. A lot of great, great outdoors, a lot of lakes and stuff. And you, you still see that until you get in the... Until you get into the state. It's just a great state, man. Lots and lots of great stuff. And, you know, Jim Dowd, first great Stanley Cup winner from the great state of New Jersey. Yeah, who else from New Jersey? Who played in the NHL from New Jersey? Well, you have the Van Reams Dykes, you got Bobby Ryan, you got Johnny Goudreau, and other players are coming up, man. Jersey's coming up as a hockey state, for sure. Jimmy Dowd was the first one, though. 17, 17 years, you played your 16? 17 years, 10 teams. So if you play Puck Dooku, good chance Jim Dowd will be one of your answers. Puck Dooku, I forgot about that. We got to play that game, man. Yeah, I like when we get the Rangers-Kings player. I always go with Tom Laidlaw. It's cool to see what your percentage is. Yeah. Everybody always picks Gretzky. Right, Marty McSorley. I don't think people remember him with the Rangers. That's like Yari Curry. Really? You don't think so? Nah, definitely not. All coffee? Do you play both? No. You, you don't think they remember Martin McSorley and Yari Curry? No, no way. 
They only played like a handful of games with the Rangers in 96. Rangers and Kings Hill is a brain house. We talked about it before, but there's lots of guys like Luke Robitaille, Dugay, Barry Beck, Gabrick, Mike Allison, Bernie Nichols, of course, Marcel Dion, who you were traded for. But uh, if you get this in your Sudoku or Puck Dooku, make sure you pick Tom Laidlaw. Let's get his percentages up. Yeah, I think we looked that up too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And if you get uh, Devils, Canadians, Wild, what else? Uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, Calgary, yeah. Pick Jim Dowd for that. Interesting. He really said nice things about uh, the uh, Flyers too. Like he said, that's a great organization. As a fan, you know, you hate the Flyers and Philly and playing in the Spectrum and Wells Fargo, but you got to respect their passion. I mean, those are some passionate fans. I told you the story. We played that outdoor alumni game, and we were in the locker room. There's Adam Graves, Messier, Brad Leach, and everybody. And we're all like, we're not, they're not going to boo us, are they? And there's 45,000 people. And they said, no, they won't boo us. We're a bunch of old guys, you know, fat old guys skating around. We stepped out the door. They booed us right away. You suck. You're a dog suck. Your cat suck. And here's what's crazy, Tom. We had three absolute certified Philadelphia Flyer legends on the show. Bernie Perrant, Mark Howe, and Brian Propp. And all three of them were just great guys. I know. It's funny. Like, we've talked about Dave Brown so many times. What an animal he was. One of the nicest people on the planet, yeah. It's just that atmosphere. And, you know, Spectrum and now Wells are just crazy fans. I mean, you remember, they booed Santa. <laughs> but you have to respect them. They love their teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They can get a little nasty. Because, uh, like, my mother and father went to a game down in Philly one time, too, and... uh my mother started, yeah, but she was a small little person. She's shooting back down. She's yelling back at him. So I think they thought it was kind of funny that, uh, come on, let's yell at Laidlaw's mom. <laughs> but your dad, your dad was a big dude. Probably didn't mess with him. Yeah, he was a big man. Yeah, but he's a, like, he was, he could handle himself, but he never got in fights. Like, he was that meek, mild gentleman, you know. Yeah, he probably had those huge farmer forearms and hands. Yeah, yeah, he did those crooked fingers. Like, he kicked up, kicked by a cow. So his two fingers would, would straighten up and all that stuff. Wait, that doesn't occur in real life, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because we did, like, it's funny to think back about that with the animals there. Like, my if the cow was going to give birth, my father would grab uh, binder twine, wrap it around the calf's legs, and the head would come out last. So he's got to pull it out of of the cow. There'd be sometimes where the calf would come out uh, dead. So, but he would would pick it up and slam its head on the cement. The head head for a cow is like a piece of cement. And it, so it, it was dead anyways, but it would not bring it back to life. Wait, you can revive a cow by slamming its head on the ground? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, did you actually birth cows? Yeah. Wow, that's something we didn't know about you, Tom. You actually pulled cows out of other cows. Got to add that to your resume, public speaker, cow birther. Some of the funny things, I worked on a breeding farm for horses, the standard bred horses to Kurt. So the, the veterinary came in and put a big plastic glove on it. He should go up to his shoulder and stick his hand right into the, the butt of the okay. horse. To pull out, like, he could tell whether she was ready to breed or not. Wow. It was some of the stuff, like, growing up on the farm, you don't really, So this breeding farm, they had a little tiny pony. And uh, it was called the teaser. It could tell whether the mares were ready to breed or not. They would back up to the fence and the pony. Now, by the end of the summer, they didn't let the pony breed at all. So by the end of the summer, literally, his testicles were dragging down off the floor because he just spent the blue balls. Oh, my God. The poor horse. They would get him. They would put him on a... Uh, I forgot about this stuff. They would put him on a bale and they get this old mare, like a working mare, and let him have sex with the, the working mare. Wow. <laughs> wow. Canadian farm life, man. I'm sure you milked a lot of cows, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. I milked lots of cows, yeah. And we'd, we'd have cows or cats. We'd have cats, not in the house, but only in the barn because they'd eat all the mice. To, so so the cats would be walking around the cows and step on them. Cat. So it would be half dead. So we'd have to come by with a shovel and kill the cat instead. The other problem. We, during this, because they're outside, uh, we, they weren't allowed in where it was warm at all. So we drive in, uh, the cow, the car was so warm. So oh, yeah. they crawl up into the fan belt. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so, we were just so used to it. It was like, oh, like fitness to the chart. We were talking about New Jersey, but now we're talking about farm life in Ontario. Oh, I was some cats dying right now. Absolutely. New Jersey is the garden state for a reason, right? There's farms north and west and south of us. Totally apropos of this conversation with Jim Dowd. And if you want to book Tom Laidlaw, cow milker, cow birther, farmer, speaker, you want him at your event, talk about his incredible life, send an email to fullchangepodcast at gmail.com and we can get Tom at your event. Yeah. We can talk, we can talk to Jim Dow about birthday cows. I don't think he's about it. Probably not, but he's a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey guy. And this is a Jersey episode. Go New Jersey. You know what I love doing about the show too, especially when we've made a point of not talking to the guests, especially me before the show. Because now I can really get to know him there at the show and everything. Or even the guys that I know, like, I keep going back to the Dave Silk uh, episode that we had. And I shouldn't have called him before. It still was good. But, uh, 
Save it for the show, Tom. Always save it for the show. I don't know why I keep going back to the soap. For some reason, I guess because we did so much stupid stuff together. Tell the old stories. You guys can't see it, but Tom has a huge grin on his face right now talking about this. We did a podcast with Kevin Allen and uh, Doc Emmerich. They were in the middle of talking, and I guess I was like, I really like Doc Emmerich. He's a great guy. And they were in the middle of him talking. He goes, Layla, do you smile all the time? What's going on? I, said, I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I, I guess that's, I've, I think I've learned, you know, doing all the true good life stuff podcasts are doing is to just let it go. Don't go back. You know, if you're enjoying something, don't, don't I think, you know, when you're playing hockey, you think you're joking. You don't want to look like you're having too much fun. There's also that whole Canadian ethic of, you know, don't make any waves and, you know, be a team guy. I had some people uh, talk to me, I can't remember it was a while ago. We used to go to this place, Ornoretsky's all the time after a game, heard about it. Um, well, but we, I'd be sitting in the corner and I was more, more nervous. I used to shine so people come in, we were, they said, we're intimidated by you. So we knew I won't come near you anyway. And you're probably thinking, I'm sitting over here terrified. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lesson for you kids listening. Get out there. Take chances. Life is short. Jump in the pool. Don't hold back. For sure. Go to think. Go on Survivor. Wow. Did you know I'm Survivor? Yeah, I think I heard that somewhere once. But this is like a Jersey edition of Survivor with Jim Dowd. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.